0: Which brand would you pick to buy and how much would you pay? When you find the cause that aligns with that uh, that consumer, not only will they pick that brand, they'll pay twice as much, 50% as much. Uh, some say they'll pay any price to support the brand um, that supports that cause that, that they care about.
1: From Olin Business School at Washington University in St. Louis. I'm Kurt Greenbaum, and this is a bonus episode of On Principle. We recently finished the first season of On Principle, and if you're a regular listener, you know this is where we tell stories behind pivotal business decisions. What led to those decisions? How do leaders make them? And what can we learn from their experience? We're already working on new stories for Season 2 of On Principle, But in the meantime, we'll be sharing a few bonus episodes, a chance to dig more into some of the topics we talked about in our first season. For example, today I'd like to revisit our recent conversation with two people. One is a Washington University scholar in values-based leadership. The other is a St. Louis-based entrepreneur who's made a business out of helping companies measure the effect their values have on their customer relationships. The pair teamed up on some survey research, and in our conversation, we dug into what consumers had to say about companies that wear their values on their sleeve. Does knowing where a brand stands on the issues of the day turn off consumers? Or does it turn them on? Has the pandemic affected consumer attitudes about any of this? Or when it comes to opening our wallets and passing our money across the counter, Does any of this really matter to us as consumers?
2: So I'm Stuart Bunderson. I'm the director of the Bauer Leadership Center. I'm a professor of organizational behavior and leadership at the uh, Olin Business School at Washington University in St. Louis.
1: And how about you, Jesse?
0: My name is Jesse Wolfersberger. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Verity. It's a company we started about a year ago. And we are a data company focusing on brand values measurement. So um, we, we are focused on showing brands the ROI of their values. Uh, our hypothesis is that once companies can attribute uh, revenue to their values the same way they attribute revenue to their display media or their television ads, they will do a lot more of. So, what
1: is your business model? what What do clients come to you for, and what do you say that you'll deliver?
0: Sure. So, um, our product is called the VRI, the Values Return Index. And so, a brand that would come to us, we would measure their values across twenty categories. So, there's some categories uh, are things what we call business values, and that's just is is your product priced. Affordably, is their quality, give good customer experience. Thinking about a pyramid, sort of the middle of the pyramid is what we call branding values. So those are things like joy, excitement, patriotism, these things, these are the things that typically brands differentiate themselves on. But the top of the pyramid is kind of the thing that's new here. We call those change values. So those are things like um, empathy and equality and climate change. So can you resonate on those? So so we will um, evaluate a brand based on survey research and social listening and actually score brands against these 20 values categories so that they can see, oh, consumers think we're this. They think we, we are strong on um, uh, climate change or they think we're weak on climate change or whatever. And then they can actually attribute Um, if they do an ad campaign, let's say, did our score for empathy go up? Did our score for equality go up? That's the kind of data that companies can look at and then, you know, uh, double down on the investment on these things. Whereas if there's no metric, if if what gets measured gets managed, and if there's nothing to measure, then companies are going to do the least amount possible.
2: I got to say, I just was so... Uh, excited to hear what Jesse's doing I mean it's very creative it's very very timely and uh, he and his team think about this in a very thoughtful and very uh, nuanced way and um, so it was it was exciting and then this sort of evolved into I helped as they were designing a survey uh, to to look at social values and then we thought well you know now that we've um, Got these results, let's, uh, let's put them out there so people can learn from this, um, from, what, from what this research has, has discovered.
1: Now, as I mentioned earlier, Stuart and Jesse teamed up in January of 2021 to survey 1,072 people living across America about recent employment changes, personal values, and the brand values that matter most to them. They published their findings in a white paper about six months later. What would you say is the headline from that white paper? What's the most important takeaway?
0: The first one is that uh, through the survey, people showed us loud and clear that they will vote with their wallets in a big way. Um, That there is not, it's not just a small effect, but there's a large effect that when people value align with a brand, um, they then will to go out of their way to pick that brand, they will drive farther, they will reach deeper, they will pay more, they will come back more when they value align with the brand. That's the biggest takeaway for me. The second thing is the effect of 2020, I think, which was with with COVID and um, job disruptions. um, We found that the people who had the job disruptions uh, were were more likely to reevaluate their personal values. Um, and again, that that sort of leads into what we call the values economy that, you know, the idea of, uh, you know, once you realize or once you make the decision that you are only going to support uh, values oriented brands, well, that's kind of a key tipping point. And I think a lot of people uh, went over that tipping point last year uh, when they were disrupted in their career.
2: So in addition to the issues that Jesse just raised, I was I was definitely struck by the generational effect. I mean, I think we all know and expect, and we often say millennials are very uh, ideological and they're very values-driven. And so uh, we, we would expect to see that. And we did see that. But I think we also saw pretty consistently in our data that it was also Gen X. They were very values-driven. And Gen Z in our data, not quite as much. Now, that that um, we have to be a little careful in an over-interpreting because we have a smaller set of Gen Z respondents, and we don't have teenagers. We only had adults. So we have people who are 18 and older. And so it may be that what we found is not representative of all Gen Z respondents. And I think there's other research, like by Pew and others, that would suggest that Gen Z does tend to be very values-driven and ideological. But um, So I I don't know that we can overinterpret that, but on on the whole, what was so interesting is simply that these younger generations, and by younger, you got to include Gen X in there. They're very um, values driven in their purchasing behavior and the way they think about companies. Um, So this isn't going away. I'm not
0: suggesting that um, every business has to go to one side of the political spectrum or the other. It's about value aligning with your audience and doing good in the way that you see fit, and if If there's an audience for that, they will be supercharged by that message.
1: So it's this idea of authenticity. Um, And essentially what I hear you saying is the organization makes some decisions about who, who and what it is. And then it turns to its consumer base and says, look, man, this is who we are. Take us or leave us. But this is what we are.
2: Well, I would change that just a little bit. I mean, you you decide who you want to be. You decide what kind of uh, values are important to you. And then you look for those consumers that are going to resonate with those values. And I think that's what Jesse is encouraging people to do. It's he's saying, you know, I'm going to we're going to help you quantify um, the value you're going to get if you double down on that value. And we're also going to give you a sense for who is likely to respond if you double down on that value i think that's what they're trying to help you do but i think the starting point for that is somebody saying this is important to us this is who we want to be and so let's find a place where who we want to be can uh, also make uh, be successful as a business That's what you should do is acknowledge that you can be value driven and profitable at the same time it's not necessarily that values will always drive profits you've got to figure out how when and where
1: There are risks of standing up and speaking out as a brand on an issue. And I think I'm also hearing you say that there are risks of not standing up and speaking out. Is that fair?
0: Absolutely. In our research, 39% of people said that there are brands they will never purchase from because they were silent on an issue. Okay. So that's four in 10 people who say that silence um, is just as bad as taking a stance they disagree on. The way I look at it is CEOs and CMOs and CFOs across the country, when they look at an issue like voting rights or anything, um, that the kind of hot topics of the day, they go, okay, in on one hand, some people are going to get mad at this. And on the other hand, some people are not. Well, that's one for each hand. So it must be 50-50 and as a risk-averse entity, we should probably step away from it. When you look at the data, it's highly weighted towards people who will support you versus people who turn off on just about every issue, um, uh, just about every major societal issue. So, um, you know, I would say to, you know, the C-level folks out there, don't just look at it as sort of one and one Look at the actual numbers and see that, yeah, you have to be willing to turn off maybe 5% of your audience. Um, but if that supercharges... or 30% who will pay more for your product, come back more often, tell a friend about it, all the ways that people are are sort of loyal in in that sense, it's going to be worth it uh, from a business perspective. And that closes our first
1: bonus episode of On Principle, Many thanks to Stuart Bunderson and Jesse Wolfersberger for their insights on the survey research they produced this year. Please be sure to visit our website at onprinciplepodcast.com for links to Stuart and Jesse's white paper and to Verity, the company Jesse founded. You'll find that information under the bonus episodes part of the website. On that website, you'll also find links to the first eight episodes from Season 1 of On Principle, so I hope you'll go back and give those stories a listen if you missed them. And, by the way, please consider subscribing to On Principle in your favorite podcasting app. If you have any ideas for Season 2 episodes or just want to share feedback, send an email to olinpodcast at WSTL.edu. That's Olin Podcast at woostel.edu. On Principle is a production of Olin Business School at Washington University in St. Louis and comes to you with creative assistance by Katie Wools, Kathy Myrick, and Judy Milanovitz. Special thanks to Ray Irving and his team at Olin's Center for Digital Education, including our audio engineer, Austin Allred. Jill Young-Miller is our fact checker. Hayden Molinarolo provided original music, sound design, and editing Nate Spray provided creative direction, production, and editing with production assistance from Angie Winchell. We have website support from Lexi O'Brien and Eric Bouchard. As Dean of WashU Olin Business School, Mark Taylor provides support for this podcast, which is the brainchild of Paula Cruz, Senior Associate Dean of Strategy and Marketing for the School. Once again, I'm Kurt Greenbaum, your host for On Principle. Thanks for listening.